Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. Mindfulness of the Seven Factors of Awakening. <clears throat> this is, in a way, a sneak peek into the last section of the Satipatthana on the effectiveness of the method of the four foundations of mindfulness. And the guarantee that this is the right method of practice for complete unwinding. Seven Factors of Awakening is a detailed description of how this practice unfolds from start to finish. And the finish is awakening here and now, or in this lifetime. That's the promise. These seven factors are signposts on the way. They're not accomplishments. They're not a reason for pride or disappointment. So beware of the eye-making that is in here. Um, so it, it, it speaks to the not-self in our overall mindfulness. And it also speaks to impermanence as these factors arise and come to their culmination. We're just mindful that they are or are not present. And they're not random. Siddhartha tells us that through application of the right method of practice, these seven factors will arise, develop, and come to their culmination one after the other. In the Anapanasani Sutti that we reviewed recently, he describes this process in even more detail than he does in the Satipatthana. A factor arises from the culmination of the previous one we examine it, we understand its nature, the factor becomes aroused and then established. And when this factor is firmly established in our practice, it gives rise to the next one. It's, I always marvel at the, at the detail that Siddhartha gets into when he puts all of that concentration and mindfulness onto what happens in the mind, what happens in his mind. Um, you know, who, who else has done this? You know, even since then, you know, even currently, it, it isn't <laughs> wonderful stuff. <clears throat> And this is why it's important to be mindful of the arising or the absence of a factor. And if you're not sure, discuss it in class. Ask a teacher. But keep the Satipatthana Sutta and the Anapanasana Sutta close at hand in your practice. Because they are the, the foundations for your practice. This is what it's about. So, 
to the text. Furthermore, one remains mindful of the quality of mind in reference to the seven factors of awakening. Remain mindful that mindfulness is a factor of awakening within me. This is what we've been working on. Mindfulness itself, the, the foundation. Here is the first factor of awakening, which leads us to awakening. If mindfulness as a factor of awakening is not present, be mindful that it's not present. Be mindful that mindfulness as a factor of awakening is not present within me. And be mindful of how mindfulness as a factor of awakening will arise through appropriate mindfulness of this factor. Seems like a circulatory statement, but this is how it works. Mindfulness is, is the basis of it. And only through mindfulness and jhana practice can we get to refine mindfulness. Mindfulness of the Dharma. Remain mindful of the culmination of the development of mindfulness as a factor of awakening. Now, remain mindful that investigation of the Dharma is a factor of awakening. As your mindfulness deepens, broadens, you'll want to know, I want to know, I want it to know, what what this what this is all about you know how does this work how, you know what yeah you, you listen to to the the, the suttas here in class you read and that curiosity starts to deepen and for me it, it was starting to Put together all these connections that there are in in the Dharma, in the teachings. The teaching, the connections between impermanence, anatta, dukkha, the connection between those three factors and the four noble truths. The connections between the four noble truth and. Um, Wink. Um, dependent origination. All these things are supporting each other, exp uh, explanatory to each other. Uh, and for me, I want to know how this works. I want to. I want to get to the bones of this because you see it working. That's. That's again, uh, you know, as the Buddha says, you know, hey, uh, Pasiko, come and see for yourself. And when you see for yourself, you want to know more. You, you want to really get, you want to do it right. Remain mindful that investigation of the Dharma is a factor of awakening. If investigation of the Dharma as a factor of awakening is not present, be mindful that the investigation of the Dharma is not present and be mindful of how investigation of the Dharma as a factor of awakening will arise. Be mindful. Examine your motives, um, ask questions. Let, let, that, let that curiosity work for you. And if it's not present, you want to take a look back at the previous factor and see if it's really gotten to its culmination. Because that's what he's saying. 
once it really, once the previous factor gets to its culmination, the next factor will arise. This is not a, like a sharp cutoff point, but there is, there is, a, there is a sliding scale there. Um, these factors are in smaller or larger ways present in, in the practice, but um, to really get full benefit. And when you see that, that you're kind of stuck with the factor, you know, make sure that your, the previous factor really has that you've applied yourself to that. Remain mindful of the culmination of the development of the investigation of the Dharma as a factor of awakening. Make sure that you've, you've taken this thing, you know, to, to as far as you can, you can take it and, and, and see what the benefits are. Remain mindful that persistence is a factor of awakening. If persistence of a factor of awakening is not present, be mindful that persistence is not present and be mindful of how persistence as a factor of awakening will arise. Again, make sure that investigation of the Dharma has been taken to its culmination. And persistence is, you know, is part of investigation of the Dharma. You got it, yeah. Got to get at it. Um, it's you got to be a little terrier. <laughs> you got to be what? You got to be a little terrier. You know, you got to grab it by you know with your teeth and 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 shake it till it till you've gotten everything out of it. Remain mindful. That joyful engagement with the Dharma is a factor of awakening. We don't do this just doggedly. We do it joyfully. Because we see the benefits every day, every minute, every encounter that we have. We see the benefits of this practice. And the practice becomes ease and joyful. If joyful engagement with the Dharma as a factor of awakening is not present, be mindful that joyful engagement with the Dharma is not present and be mindful of how joyful engagement with the Dharma as a factor of awakening will arise. Again, go back to investigation here. How am I doing here? Is it not joyful? Hmm. Keep at it. Hmm. Sharpen your mindfulness. Practice your, your journey. Remain mindful that the culmination of the development of joyful engagement with the Dharma is a factor of awakening. Remain mindful that serenity is a factor of awakening. That's a culmination of the joyful engagement. There is a sense of peace and serenity that you understand with your whole being that you are on the right path. You are on the way. I wouldn't even call it hopeful. Um, there is a, a sense of certainty that comes in. And um, there's a quiet purpose there. That's the Buddha describes it as serenity. Um, 
conflict has, has fallen away. Am I doing this right? Is this really the right way? Am I fooling myself? Not all the old guy crazy if I'm not. Um, remain mindful that serenity is a factor of awakening. If serenity as a factor of awakening is not present, be mindful that serenity is not present and be mindful of how serenity as a factor of awakening will arise. Through appropriate mindfulness of the joyful engagement. Remain mindful that concentration is a factor of awakening. In that serenity, in that peaceful purpose in your life, the confounding factors, the confusing factors fall away. And concentration again becomes easy. It, it comes to its culmination. It's not just on your cushion anymore. It is throughout the day. It is all your senses are concentrated. They're no longer distracted. You can walk through the world and without trying, <clears throat> you'll see an insect in front of you. Without trying, you can hear a bird sing. It's always there. It's always been there. But you've been so distracted that you didn't hear it. You didn't see it. You didn't sense it. If concentration as a factor of awakening is not present, be mindful that concentration is not present and be mindful of how concentration as a factor of awakening will arise. Again, go back to the previous one and make sure that it's brought to its culmination, that serenity is firmly established. Remain mindful of the culmination of the development of concentration as a factor of awakening. Enjoy it, embrace it, see it in front of you, that there is concentration now. Remain mindful that equanimity is a factor of awakening. So from this, Combination of concentration, comes the complete letting go of any judgment of good or bad, anywhere. Not just what comes in through your senses, but also internally, in your mind. Things just are. You're concentrated enough, your distractions have fallen away. You can see things for what they are. They just are. Acceptance has risen to the point where it's complete and continuous. If equanimity as a factor of awakening is not present, be mindful that equanimity is not present and be mindful of how equanimity as a factor of awakening will arise. Again, go back to the culmination of the previous one. If you find that your equanimity has little gaps in it, go back. Your concentration has a little hitch in it somewhere. Go back, be mindful, practice, 
We may mindful of the culmination of the development of equanimity as a factor of awakening. In this way, Siddhartha says, one remains mindful of the seven factors of awakening and the arising and passing away of the seven factors of awakening, independent of and not clinging to anything in the world. This is how one remains mindful of the seven factors of awakening in and of themselves. Thank you, Rob. This stuff is just so joyful. <laughs> All right. Tom's on the hoof. How are you doing, Tom? Hi, Rob. I'm good, thank you. I uh, was listening to your talk as I took myself for a little walk um, mm -hmm. along the seafront here. So I spent all day indoors. So um, it was definitely your words, or the Buddha's words, or a combination of two, illuminated my walk. Um, so thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I guess sort of two, two things struck me. The first is um, how... It seems like some of these factors are, you know, the direct result of practice, right? So, like, mm -hmm. concentration, joy, mindfulness come through jhana. Yeah. Um, and some of them also are, it's quite helpful because it's it's a way of sort of, um, it's more sort of cognitive, if you like. Uh, like, when, when your practice is not going so well or, mm -hmm. you, you know, for example, perseverance, it's sort of a way of talking to yourself in a positive way to you know, keep yourself on track um, or to look for, you know, I don't know, to, to sort of reflect on your practice as well and say, wait, you know, I'm not, let's explore how I can experience more joy in my practice or, yeah, don't, don't give up, um, you know, mm -hmm. keep going, etc. So I, I quite like that. So I know it's very windy. I hope, hope you can hear me okay. Um, but I, I like that combination of um, the, the, the sort of yeah the results of the practice itself and the um, and that ability to talk to your you know the sort of tips on how to talk to yourself to, to keep yourself mm. in check because they can both be quite necessary sometimes especially if you if you sort of sit on on you know you sit down to meditate but you're feeling extremely agitated or you're feeling frustrated I think that ability to to sort of keep in mind these seven factors can be, can be really helpful. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And if you find yeah, that exactly. there, are, there are gaps, um, you know, uh, also reflect back on the hindrances, you know, make sure that, that you haven't kind of got your foot into a hindrance there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so, so really helpful and, and you know, to help, to help to such an extent that I was, I was thinking it, it pretty much covers these seven factors, pretty much cover everything in, in my practice, I think. Mm -hmm. And I'd, I'd be interested to, as you know, to go around the room, if, if anybody could come up with anything, any sort of hindrances in their practice which can't be addressed by these seven factors. Um, mm. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I can't find any blind ones myself, so um, kudos to the, to the Buddha for that, and, uh, and thanks for the teaching. <laughs> Thank you. Enjoy your walk. Zach. Thank you for teaching, Ramos. Enjoy your um, Yeah, no, this was a great, great teaching. I, I think we had a similar one earlier this week. But, you know, again, it just goes to show that mm -hmm. it hits you at different times, right? Like mm -hmm. today. Just appreciating where I am in, in my practice. And yep. Really. Like, oh wow, I'm at, I'm at serenity. Oh wait, maybe I'm at concentrate. Oh, maybe I'm at equanimity. Yes, in smaller quantities, it those things arise and 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 pass away too. 
Yeah. But there is a there is a culmination for all of for mm -hmm. each one of them. But while we were doing Qigong man this morning, it's just like I can't even believe where I am in my life right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had this just visualization of myself being this oak barrel just going down a mountain river. And there is so much gunk in the bottom that the barrel is just the tip of the barrel is just at the surface. Mm. And my sense, my sixth sense base is at the bottom. It's just caked and mm. it's not able to experience. Because it's just so many layers of narrative and in the walls of the barrel I've built up over time and reinforced with steel. Mm. Oops. Yeah. And uh, this practice has allowed me to, you know, throw out the easy stuff and even give me like a chisel to really work on the stuff at the bottom. Mm. And then I realized that I've actually built the walls yeah. as well. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm removing the walls and I'm just like the, just the bottom of this barrel floating on the surface, just in contact. That's it. Mm -hmm. right now. Oh, wait, is that the Niagara Falls? <laughs> <laughs> so be it. Be right. You know, and, uh, so I'm, I'm just profoundly grateful for this practice here. And there. <clears throat> Thank you for the teaching, Ron. That was great. It's the first time I've heard you teach. It was very lovely. Um, I think what's so interesting to me, and I kept thinking about it the whole time you were talking, was curiosity of like what might be getting in the way of awakening. Mm -hmm. And I think you said it just before when Tom was speaking about the hindrances. And I think as you were going through each one, I kept thinking like, oh, well, it's because there's a hindrance that, that isn't somewhere along the way, you're feeling something. And I, I said this before in class, but it's really the first time I've ever even um, investigated that I have hindrances at all, mm -hmm. you know, like, like ill will is an interesting one for me because I've always been the one to like in my life personally been the one to be like the quote unquote diplomat, you know, like making sure everybody gets along and I'm never, I'm never mad at anybody. I don't feel anger. You know, I used to say that all the time that I don't feel anger. And um, it's interesting. I'm not upset by it at all. I'm just like, oh, that's I used to be the same way. I used to be this easygoing guy, you know. I didn't like conflict and that and that and this thing. And then somebody just did something or, or said something to me. It was an old friend and basically dissed me in a, in a what I thought was just a totally inappropriate way. And man, was I crazy mad! <laughs> God, yeah, you're like, and that? you know, and and but to this day, I'm actually grateful for him that he triggered that stuff because I had to re-examine my <laughs> my mindfulness basically um, because there was a whole bunch of ill will just lurking beneath the surface. Right, and I and I think what's so interesting about the hindrances in this context of your teaching is like what matters about them is not that they're there that they make you some sort of bad person it's just mm -hmm. that they're just obstructing your ability to awaken and why why allow that to happen mm -hmm. that seems yep. silly you know just see it and let it go right. mm -hmm. i just thought it was really cool the way you, you know and i think i just that word curiosity is what it's all about it's like just investigating this whole thing, mm -hmm. finding where there are little points. Yeah, yeah. But you also know that when you come to this practice out of curiosity, you're not going to get very far. Can you elaborate on that? 
because in my own life, um, a lot of it is, uh, a lot of my motivation is intellectual curiosity. That's the way I deal with the world because it, it, um, it keeps me away from all these painful emotions and upsetting emotions and all that. I'll just deal with it as, uh, as an intellectual challenge. And um, that has a very short lifespan. And it is as soon as the subject matter gets a little bit um, challenging, or if 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 the cream's off the off the milk, um, if you've gotten that part, uh, you give up, and there'll be something else that's more interesting. That's um, where teaching. Just just listen to the teaching. Things have to be over this, but they have to be developed. So that the signal means. Come see for yourself, but this is the proper development of these factors. Mm -hmm. So then you can see that hindrance <laughs> for what it is, and let it arise and pass away. And then address the investigation. Once you have that concentration and refined mindfulness, to properly look at it and to be able to abandon the craving that's behind it. And that's the structure of what we do. You know, curiosity and joyful engagement will propel you through harder times, but there has to be that bedrock of general meditation so that refined mindfulness can be developed. Then you'll see that endurance for what it is. And it's just at a micro level. You won't see yourself as someone that has ill will because you're a people pleaser fixer of things and that you'll see the underlying levels that you've experienced. So that's the structure of our practice. It's interesting you brought up intellectual pursuit and analyzing as a as a hindrance because it's definitely um, been the case for me. Mm -hmm. And I I'm realizing now that like I've been so frustrated because like you said, like at a benefit, like it doesn't, it, there's a, there's always something else. Yep. And so to just put it in the category of, oh, this is also a hindrance. Don't, yep. Like that's important for me to hear. And also, you know, it, <clears throat> once you get past the intellectual investigation, you can allow yourself to be more vulnerable and look at what is my need here? You know, am I trying to fix something? Um, you know, what, what's what's behind this? Because you know, I I went out in you know looking for stuff uh, when I was twenty three. You know? 50 years ago <laughs> and more. Um, yeah, Moose County. <laughs> Jeez, the last 10 has been fun. Uh, but the years before that have been this bouncing back and forth to one thing or the other. But I still come back to what drove me to pick up my backpack and go and, you know, hitchhike my way to India. Um, because there had to be, you know, you don't do this out of fun, you know. You do this because you're in pain. That's why. So once you get beyond that intellectual thing, you can allow yourself to look at the driving factor. Where, where's the pain? Where's the need? Where's this driving need? You know, why do I give up my family, all my friends, and this and that and the other one? and go looking for things. This is what you were saying, it all kind of comes back, so that comes back to the Four Noble Truths. Mm -hmm. Yep. Very cool. Thank you.
gracious hostess. Thank you so much for teaching you. I, I really want to make that. Jane? Thank you. I just love your joy. Uh, thank you. I really appreciate that. Zach's here. Ms. Farrell. We all have a journey. Things fall away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. As you were going through the, I was just reflecting on where I am in my practice. Mm -hmm. okay. yeah. mm -hmm. Look for the signpost. Okay. It's an old philosophical uh, question, you know, who does the thinking here? Um, and once you get into philosophy, you're in the weeds. Um, it's, that be, again becomes an, an intellectual pursuit. Just That's that. an intellectual. Yeah, it, it, and, and and there is no there's no end to it because you, you start chasing your tail. It's a bit of a fabrication. You're creating this like uh -huh. right to do this, so there is going to be that. Yeah, I, mean, mm -hmm. I have a I have like fifteen or twenty thinkers and thirty or forty observers. It's a busy little head you got up there. <laughs> None of them are me. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. Um, I made a list of mine. I'll share them sometime. Our next book will be simple. Consciousness is self referential. The question isn't so much who is the thinker. The issue is be aware of your thinking be mindful of your thinking again it's the third foundation of mindfulness and don't be distracted by your thinking and don't be distracted by it. because looking for the thinker is just another way to distract yourself so let it go go back to being mindful of your thinking and move on and not to get too caught up in words, but I think if you're experiencing something like, oh, I'm observing this, mm -hmm. that might be just another way that she's saying that she's experienced space in between mm -hmm. the thinking yes. and uh -huh. the experience of observing the thinking, right? Not to overanalyze, mm -hmm. but, right. you know, so that might also just being what's going on. It's not multiple personalities or all these right. different yeah. things. It's, it's just John. It's yeah. your experience with wrestling whatever's on the bottom of the barrel or whatever and creating some space between it to mm -hmm. be able to investigate right. and sit with it and have a different experience than when you were just the thinker and couldn't be outside of right. it. Right. This is true. Yes. The reason why we get caught up in the watcher and the thinker the guardian made a whole lifetime meal out of this, and he ended up with this this phrase: "Think not thinking." That's annihilation, and, and it's annihilation because we can't resolve an issue, so we just go to that's another way of saying nothingness and emptiness and somehow a reality to aspire to. Uh, it's it's an intellectual dark hole because 
everything that's occurring to me and everything that's occurring to me and the world is happening here. Nothing happens out here. There's not another person that's within me. When we're, when we're talking about the idea of being a watcher or an observer of yourself is really a profound level of refined mindfulness and you're able to finally separate out these different qualities of mind. But we also, we simplify it too by saying, look at the present quality of your mind, be at peace with it. Mm -hmm. Because that, that stops the friction, that stops the struggle, and it stops that. Uh, it, what you're also describing is what the Buddha described in his Nagara Sutta, the Sutta where he's describing his awakening. And for the first time in his life, he realized this circular way of thinking, which is just what we tend to want to put labels on, like the watcher and thinker, but it's all going on in here. So when I was restoring this sutta, um, I, I struggled for quite a while between the right word to use for culmination. And at other times, I wrote it out as um, incorporating or establishing. And I wrote the whole sutta out and using those three different ways. And so the culmination of mindfulness doesn't mean that I've taken mindfulness to its, to its end state. There is no end state. There's just, there's always, there's just the next moment. What we're talking about, what Ram's explaining wonderfully well, um, the culmination just means that it's present. You know, we, we culminated in the establishment of this. So we start with mindfulness, first foundation of mindfulness. And so then these seven factors are okay, establish mindfulness. And then we move into investigation. So am I investigating the Dhamma or am I doing something else? Am I investigating um, a book of poetry and thinking that that's my spiritual practice? Or am I, am I investigating something else? Or is my Dhamma practice focused on investigating the Dhamma? Right? So this is where the Eightfold Path becomes a limiting path. It becomes the framework and the guidance. There is, as far as Dhamma practitioners, it doesn't mean that we have no other interests in our life, but as far as Dhamma practitioners, our Dhamma practices here and not out there, so we are probably well focused on investigating the Dhamma. If persistence is not a, a factor yet, bring factor, bring persistence into this, into my practice. So now I've culminated in doing that task. Am I explaining that well enough? Yes. So none of these things, even equanimity, is not something that is stagnant or is culminating culminated in an end sense like we're at the end state this is as far as equanimity can go or this is as far as concentration can go all that we're talking about is that we culminated in establishing these seven factors are they here are they present it's not some we're not talking about an advanced state because there there isn't any real advanced state there's just practice and as a consequence of practice and following where this is in the, um, if you, I mean, don't, you don't need to do this, but if you look at different um, translations of the Satsapatana, Riyanapanasati Sutta, even the sequencing is different in some of them. But the, the hindrances, I'm trying to remember exactly, the hindrances sometimes came later in some of the, the translations that I've read. But the, this, the, it's, the most sense is made by first establishing the four foundations of mindfulness, again, like the Sutta explains, and then recognizing, okay, where, where are the hindrances that might block me and stop me from feeding from feeding the five clinging aggregates, the ongoing vehicle that I'm experiencing as personal suffering. And if, if I can not let the hindrances block me, then I can bring mindfulness to its culmination, which simply means is it, is it established as my practice. 
his investigation of the Dhamma established as my practice, his persistence established, concentration, etc., etc., are these seven factors. Um, and once these seven factors are recognized as our Dhamma practice, we know that we, uh, we're good to go. We, 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 we've established these seven simple things. And again, any these seven factors of awakening are not something that are uh, miraculous in any way. They're all ordered. They're all states that we can bring to culmination by just doing the practice. But so it's simple in that way, but we can get a little too far into the weeds and uh, making more of what these are. These, mm -hmm. these are just simple human factors. Factors is just it's, one part of this thing. Yeah. It is striking that that um, it is all ordinary human things that he's talking about. Yeah. They're just factors. They're uh, I, I, and I, I like the way he, he um, teases out the details of this of this sequence in the Anapanasani Sutra. Uh, whenever a monk remains focused on the body, free of distraction, ardent, alert, and mindful, while putting aside craving and distress with reference to the world, their mindfulness is steady and continuous. There you are for that. And then, when mindfulness is steady and continuous, then mindfulness as a factor of awakening becomes directed. Again, it's it's precise. When mindfulness is steady and continues, it forms the foundation for the culmination of its development. Yeah, and what does that mean? Mindfulness is steady and continuous. That's not a, that's not another <coughs> state. It? It's, it's not this. Um, the type of mindfulness that we're talking about doesn't have just one flavor. But am I applying mindfulness to what I'm doing to this practice? Again, there. One of the one of the problems that was present during the Buddhist time and our time is too much information, and so am I using my mindfulness in a mindless way? Meaning, boy, I heard listen to that guy or I heard that poem, or got that idea, and let me all bring that in. No, we have to incorporate it here in in this room in Crossroad Her Meditation Center in the, in the four books that are out. This is what the Buddha taught. And so, in, 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 culminate, bring it bring it to its conclusion to, to bring these factors into our practice. But that, again, it's not a static state. Right? Every moment is fresh. Every moment is new. The, the application of mindfulness is also going to be... Um, it's it, it's going to have different flavors and, and different colors as we right and our, our minds are supple but they're also very broad and we can get distracted easily or we can stay mindful of what we're doing can we stay focused on just this because remember the reason why the the, um, the original sangha went forth meaning they left whatever their home life was like, and went in to join this sangha, uh, uh, somewhat separated from society, but not entirely was, just so they could put their focus on this. Right? And now it's not so easy to just to go forth and find some place to hang out and just practice the Dhamma. Uh, I don't think, you know, I don't, I don't think we get very far walking around Frenchtown with a bowl but like the Buddha's time, there's all kinds of different practices out there. And again, he was just emphasizing the, the original Sangha and now us later. Just be mindful of this, of what we're doing here, what we teach, what's included. It's a, it is a very simple and basic practice that has has some specific rules 
right? Human beings tend to not like rules. We all feel like we're confining our our life in some way. But that's where the the liberation of the Eightfold Path comes by its limiting factors. These seven factors are all we need to look for. These seven factors are what we culminate, where we establish or incorporate on the year. And if they are here, you know you're good to go. Are you good to go? What's that? So are you good it's to go? Yeah. Right That's now fine. I am. We'll see what happens in the next moment. Okay. Was there anything else for a teacher? Uh, not right now, but there may be. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, I have a lot else to answer except that, you know, right from the beginning of John's words and Matt's work, we've been building on this mindfulness. And, you know, it's all within the context of the Eightfold Path, as John was just, um, you know, illuminating. And that's what's really important. Like, I think it's easy to get caught up in. You know, like even when we're with other people, we explain the situation that has caused our whatever, our expression of frustration or whatever, when the situation isn't the thing because it's external, it's what's going on inside. And so it's really, that's where the work needs to be done, informed by the effect. And when we do start adding these other things on or maybe using other words that may sound like they're from other practices, even though many of us come to this without any other practice. You know, it's just seeking with a flashlight to understand all of this. And I think we can hold ourselves accountable um, by reminding ourselves that even these seven factors are completely informed by the full path. And we're pretty good to go with that focus. Thank you for your teaching. Stay on the path. <laughs> Brian. Thank you, Master Craftsman. <laughs> struck me as you were going through that, that. Those seven factors begin with mindfulness and culminate in equanimity. Mm -hmm. The four foundations of mindfulness begin with mindfulness and culminate in equanimity. Mm -hmm. The four jhanas begin with mindfulness and culminate in equanimity. And then it struck me how the Buddha has systematically laid out a map of our mind, <clears throat> but it's somewhat inverted. So when we look at it, we don't recognize it. Mm. The more I practice and the deeper this gets, I start to see, as you call it, the negative, the negative relief or the, the inversion. Mm -hmm. The factors are an offset to the hindrances. Uh, so all that really clarified my mind. Thank you, Ram. Um, yeah, Ryan said it perfectly, but I was just going to say it on a more basic level that um, just even the and the tone of your voice and the way that you um, teach the seven factors allowed me to really um, kind of better understand the relationship to jhana and mm -hmm. that kind of strength in meditation that you find in that vulnerability you know, mm -hmm. when I'm meditating and observing what's coming up, what's arising, what's passing away. So thank you for making that very clear. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah. And <clears throat> I'm sure as a as a fellow brainiac, uh, you've dealt with you know the, the intellectual the pursuits. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Starting so to argue with John and uh -huh. counter argue right. with John. <laughs> oh no! Don't don't even get don't <laughs> even start that. He's the past <laughs> master of, of arguing. We've used two words, intellectual and curiosity, but we haven't used the two together. 
So an intellectual pursuit can often be just, you know, just another pursuit, another distraction. Mm -hmm. But intellectual curiosity, when it applies to the Dhamma, points directly to mindfulness. Because that's what's required. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And again, the the Buddha started out right there with, okay, you're curious about why I'm such a calm and peaceful guy? Begins with jhana meditation. Come, come and yeah, come and see. So yes. they, yeah, there's the curiosity. Because I can tell you the the results of all of my intellectual curiosity. That's just a bowl of thin soup unless you get into it yourself. Isn't it? I still have a whole bunch of in my barn. <laughs> all the intellectual pursuits that you were yeah. you were engaging in. And some intellectual pursuits are valuable. Mm-hmm. Right, but that doesn't that doesn't mean um, if you can let it lead to to you know if you can let it lead into the dharma and the practice. Yes, if it stays on the intellectual level, uh, you're yeah. you're still distracting yourself. But that's where the eightfold path came in. Yep. That's why mm-hmm. I taught this because it keeps us it keeps us framed. It's the yep. it's the um, it's the guardian for our intellect. Mm. This is our intellectual pursuit. It doesn't right. mean that we don't have other ones. This is what we're using our intellectual curiosity for, not for just another vapid uh, waste of time. I did plenty of those. This is what we put our mind. As Dharma practitioners, we resolve in this simple practice, and we stay within the framework of the Eightfold Path. If we, if that feels too constricting to us, we're not likely going to stay with the Dhamma. And that's fine. You know, I mentioned Nagarjuna, I hope it doesn't sound like I'm, I mean, this was, Nagarjuna lived in the 600s, so. <laughs> but it's not like I'm trying to denigrate a guy from that many years ago. He's still a well-respected person. More people that respect Nagarjuna than respect John Axel. Historically, but again, so what is that? Don't these people understand? (laughs) I thought you were contemporaries. What's that? (laughs) I thought you were contemporaries. (laughs) (laughs) These these seven factors of awakening are uh, what we, what we, if they're, if it's not, if there's only five factors. Okay, bring the other two into your practice. Mm-hmm. Once they're there, you culminate it. But then, what do you do once you have the seven factors all brought to their culmination? That's it. Even job. Jim, welcome back. Thank you. I'm teaching wrong. Real happy to have you. Yeah. Thank you. Closing picture. Really good discussion, though. Mm. I like what I'm hearing from everyone. And, you know, Tracy, that insight that you got into your, into how this practice is making things clearer for you was, was really important because this is exactly what we're trying to do is, is to one, cultivate a direct experience of impermanence. Two, see how we established a wrong view of ourself in relation to formidable truth, in relation to the Eightfold Path. So when, like you shared, in relation to what Ram had said about the hindrances and seven factors of awakening, you started to notice a wrong view of self emerge that that you hadn't seen before. 
And that wrong view of self had been the orientation of your life for, I don't know. So this is exactly what this we're doing here. And uh, it's really good to hear that. And, you know, when, when we recognize that we're in wrong view, we abandon it and enter and remain in right view. And that, that is the first factor, the first wisdom factor of the Eightfold Path. And it is speaking directly to reorienting your view of yourself in relation to Four Noble Truths. So, good job. <laughs> good to hear it. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you, Rob. Excellent teaching. Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.